This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 111, What Makes Christian Fiction Good? Featuring Nathan James Norman of The Untold Podcast. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Palmer. Versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that He created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens podcast. Welcome to Strangers and Aliens podcast about sci-fi fantasy and their connections with christianity and christianity and its connections with sci-fi fantasy it's a podcast about faith and imagination i am ben avery one of three hosts for strangers and aliens i'm also the only one of three hosts that's actually here for this episode although i have been joined by another podcaster someone from the uh, podcasting community, a couple different podcasting communities, I guess, because on one hand, he's a part of Christian Geek Central with uh, Strangers and Aliens from the Untold Podcast. On the other hand, he's also a part of the big geek Christian crossover podcast thing that we're doing. So I'd like to uh, introduce Nathan James Norman. Hey, thanks for having me here. No problem. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for... Uh, <laughs> Taking the time to be a part of this um, <laughs> podcasting crossover thing that that uh, just kind of it's it's big. I was surprised how big it's ten podcasts. You know, yeah. I don't know how I never took the time to count how many podcasters, but yeah, quite a few, quite a few. So Nathan James Norman from the Untold Podcast. Tell us a little bit about the Untold Podcast and, and where it is on the web. Yeah, we're at untoldpodcast.com. It's a pretty simple address, but we are all about promoting um, speculative fiction, and we really want to engage the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. Um, I think uh, one of the wonderful things about fiction is it burrows past our defenses, and instead of uh, shaking our fist at the darkness of this world, uh, the Untold Podcast is there to tell Christian stories uh, from a Christian worldview, but that engages the imagination, that that burrows past those defenses that touch the heart, that touch the emotion, um, that uh, that that can hopefully potentially be transformative as we think through things um, and as we experience them. And so, yeah, we're a storytelling podcast. We like to get stories and also promote authors and their work um and hopefully some authors who people know about uh like we've had brian uh, a story by brian godawa on there um 
and we and, and authors who people might not have heard of but want to go check out the rest of their work after they've heard the story and said, "Hey, I like that. Let's let's go check this out." Nice. And um, this podcast that we're doing right now, this episode, uh, technically, it's kind of part two of a conversation that we started over there. Uh, that I was the guest on on your podcast, the Untold Podcast, and uh, we started talking about um, why is storytelling important. Uh, for Christians, why why should Christians be writing and, and telling stories? And um, we kind of got into some ideas about art and and that kind of thing, and and just Christianity being you know in in the arts and, and in society and in our culture. Um, so this is kind of part two. So if you want to go and find part one, I I recommend go for it. Run, go because you'll get a conversation about that, but you also get a story by David N. Alderman called the spigot which is part of his black earth saga or series or whatever it would be called i was not familiar with him before reading that short story i will now be seeking out some of his books like you just said (laughs) so um yeah so i'm gonna go ahead and play the uh the the uh, promo that we did so kind of tell you some of the other podcasts that are part of this crossover although uh, if you've been listening to strangers and aliens for the last little you know couple weeks You've heard this you know, three or four times, but uh, and if you've been listening to all the podcasts, you've heard it a lot. So we're going to play it right now, and then um, Nathan and I are going to talk a little bit about um, what makes a Christian story good and why why is there the cliche that it's not good. So I'm going to go and play that right now. Last year, a ragtag band of Christian geek podcasters joined together taking on a shared theme to be discussed on their respective shows. This year, like any good sequel, and any bad sequel really, they're going bigger. They aren't just sharing a theme, they're sharing themselves. In the grand tradition of the Avengers movies, or Aliens vs. Predator, or Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Archie meets the Punisher, It's not just a thematic event. It's a crossover. The Christian Geek Podcasting Community begins the year 2014 by trading hosts. Listen to your favorite podcasting hosts as they mix it up on other podcasts. And meet new podcasters on your favorite podcasts. Featuring these podcasts. Geekly Oaked. The Sci-Fi Show. Untold Podcast The Sci-Fi Christian Real World Theology The Story Men Geek This Podcast Voices in My Head Are You Just Watching And Strangers and Aliens The Christian Geek Podcast Crossover It's the Secret Wars 2 of Podcasting only, you know, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the promo. It's out of the way, and now we can get into the nitty gritty. So let's 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 uh, grit some knit here, whatever that means, or 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 knit some grit, one yeah, or the other. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Uh, you you do your podcast, and, and part of your podcast is um, selecting stories and and getting stories. And I do understand that that uh, so at, at the beginning, anyway, from what you said in the last episode, 
Um, it, re it came from you reading stories and asking permission to use them. Um, and But now people are, are sending you submissions. So as you were reading stories and finding ones you liked, or as people are sending you submissions, I'm just going to kind of let you start our conversation here about what makes a Christian story good by asking you, since you're producing Christian stories in your podcast, <laughs> what makes a story good enough for you to want to do it on your podcast, to want to you know, perform it or have it performed um, and, and produced and taking the time to actually go ahead and, and shine, you know, a spotlight on someone's story to say, this is good enough story that I want to spend time making it, putting it out there so other people can find it. Yeah. I think um, it really has to be something that, that touches into the imagination. Um, I, it doesn't have to be explicitly Christian. You know, there doesn't have to be a moment where someone is, um, you know, praying the prayer of salvation. Although if that's in there, that's great. In fact, I think we had an episode, uh, maybe that was episode 16, uh, the unit. We, we had something along those lines happening, but what, what makes a good story is when you have a husk of truth. When I, when I was in my screenwriting class in my undergraduate work, my professor who I'm, I, I as far as I know, is not a Christian. He had said uh, over and over and over again to us in our class, and we, it was a non-Christian school, so we had uh, all sorts of stories in there. And he would criticize some of our our works and say, you have to have a husk of truth in this. I don't care what kind of story you're telling, whether it's prairie romance or, uh, or a crime drama. It has to point towards truth. It has to point towards reality. And you can do that in a very weird and bizarre way, and you can do that through metaphor and and uh, and all that. But but it has to point to truth. And so when we get a story over at the Untold Podcast, and I take a look at it, it has to have some deep seated um, uh, truth. And and it might not even be um, uh, blatant. It might not be out there. It might not even be conscious. You might not consciously get it when you're reading through it. But it's got to be something that reflects reality, you know, and because we're speculative fiction in a really weird way, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we got to have that weirdness in there, but it's gotta, um, it, it's gotta have that husk of truth, even if, um, it's just asking a question. Cause I don't think art necessarily needs to have the answer in it. Um, but sometimes it just raises the important question, but even there, that's, that's a husk of truth. That's, that's the kernel of truth that you boil the story down to. And it's got to do so in a way that that touches the emotion in some way. Um, not it's not intellectual. Uh, in a conversation you and I had, it's it's not um, uh, you know it's not a math problem. Yeah. I, I've never I've never seen anyone weep over a math problem. Uh, <laughs> well, I've come close in some of my classes when I was in college, but <laughs> okay, for well, a different not, reason. Right, not over the beauty of a math. Problem. No, I was weeping over the you know hitting my head against the wall because I'm never going to get it done. <laughs> Lord Jesus comes, so I don't have to take this. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it has to reflect beauty, even in the ugliness, uh, even if it's a horror story or a uh, um, a tragedy uh, that doesn't end well. It, it has to have that some sort of reflection that that reminds us of of truth and uh, and really touches the heart more so than than just the intellect, just the emotion, or just trying to get your your doctrinal statement out there. Right. Your doctrinal point. Yeah. 
I think that covers everything. Um, thank you <laughs> very much, Nathan, for joining us. <laughs> no, I, you know, it goes back to a little bit to what I was saying in your podcast about connecting. You said asking a question, you know, well, that's connecting by, you know, touching the intellect and causing people to think, you know, they're, they're reading yep. a story. They see this person who makes a choice or whatever. And that's the connection is to say, okay, well, why did that person make that choice? What were the consequences of that choice? You know, um, uh, what, what would I do in that situation? What would I do? Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so there's there's that kind of connection. And then you, you mentioned beauty and truth, um, which we didn't talk about beauty and truth uh, before. So that might be something that we can kind of touch on here as well, because um, I believe that um, there are there's truth in almost any story. Uh, the problem comes in that you have people trying to subvert the truth. And so the truth that's revealed in that story, like, you know, someone who's trying to, you know, well, let's, let's just take an example being, you know, a pornographic story. The truth that comes out of a pornographic story is that this is the opposite of the truth. You know, it's to say uh, here is something that's being shown to you or something that's being, um, uh, you know, that your mind is engaging with that is absolutely against the truth. And, and so there, the truth that I don't recommend um, telling stories with anti-truth to tell yep. people truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I really cannot say strongly enough that I do not recommend that, but, but even in that, you know, you can step back and say, Oh, I just watched this, this movie that had this horrible, horrible worldview presented to me. And you can step back and say, okay, well, what is the lesson I learned from that? That that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's wrong. Right. You know, um, and then beauty is something else that, um, yeah, uh, the, that, and I think that the beauty of it a lot of times comes from the actual artisticness mm. of it. Um, you know, I've got a, a, a quadrant that I plot things on, uh, when I'm looking at stories and movies and, and books and that kind of thing. And that's, you have style in one quadrant, you have, um, story in one, you have theme in one and then you have oh man i can't remember the fourth characters, <laughs> characters. yep character <laughs> um, and so when you have a you know an indie film might be all style and character you know mm -hmm. and and that kind of thing but the, that's all they can that's all they can afford that's what they can well they can afford good story but you know they'll do like a character study like napoleon dynamite right yeah. it's all about the character and if you like that movie it's because you like that guy you know if you don't like that movie it's because you don't like that guy because there's nothing else to the movie, you know, except for this quirky, weird style. And, you know, I think there, there needs to be, although you're talking about revealing beauty, the re revealing the beauty of, you know, the creation of, of and through that, maybe the, the creator um, in the stories, like your story, the spigot that you did for, for untold podcast. Um, it's dark yeah. and ugly um, and brutal and mean and and feels almost hopeless but there is the glimmer of hope and there's that beauty at the end that comes that be, is even more beautiful against the backdrop of that ugliness so yeah 
Yeah, it could have been it, it could have been included in the book of Judges for all we know. Uh <laughs> there's some pretty ugly stories in there. Um yeah. Uh, tragic it, stories. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> the Bible has it all. I mean, Absolutely. It, it has happy, treacly, cliché love story, mm-hmm. but then it also has pretty has awful, horror, you know, yeah. horrible things. Um so, but on that quadrant, then you have those are the things that I, I kind of target and say, okay, so this story is all about style, mm-hmm. and this story is all about you know theme or substance. And I th- I heard someone saying that we're afraid of beauty, um, we're afraid of beautiful art, and everything has to be gritty, everything has to be dark, um, and and so then you have a movie like Gravity come along. Uh, have you did you see Gravity? I have not. Okay. Well, the thing about gravity is it's scary, but at the end, there's this moment where it's just this beautiful release. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, and so I'm reminded of that, you know, talking about beauty. Well, there's that moment right there where it's just, we went through all of this to get to this moment. And that's a reflection of the truth of, of life too. So, yeah, but let's bring it back to Christian fiction because that's where my my head is right now that's what my headspace is in right now is just i'm looking for good christian fiction and i disagree with people who say that all christian fiction is dumb (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they're not using those words but they're kind of using those words right um i disagree with them i do not say that it's all great i would never say that um but I think it's a better the, – the landscape of Christian fiction is better than what people are, are revealing. And so part of what I'm going to be doing in 2014 is trying to peel back you know, the blanket and reveal some of the stuff that's under uh, that's actually good. So I ask you why uh, – what makes a, a Christian story good? Um, would you say that as Christians um, we're called to greater art than the secular world? Are we called to make great art? Is that a part of, you know, is that a moral imperative for us? Or is it just something we should do so we can get more people to be interested? Um, how deep would you say it goes to say we need to be producing good stuff, great stuff? Oh, I, I, I think it's absolutely required. I think it's absolutely necessary. Um, art, art in any form, whether we're talking about music or sculpture or paints or uh, any th- or books, uh, stories, podcasts, <laughs> uh, art reflects truth and, and it reflects God's creativeness. Um, we were made in God's image and uh, Paul says we are God's workmanship. We are God's work of art. Uh, we reflect his glory. And now different people do that differently. I'm not saying everyone has to uh, become novelists. Certainly not. But um, he's a creative God. And even even with the fall, we still retain the image of God. Um, and in our salvation, as we, uh, we're not perfected this side of eternity, but we're still transformed. And as Christians, uh, literally little Christs, um, we need to reflect that creative nature and show that, uh, going back to beauty, we have to show that beauty, we have to show that truth. And sometimes you have to show beauty through, through the darkness. Um, 
that's kind of the monomythic cycle of stories where you start off in summer and everything's good and things get worse and worse and worse and bleak and bleak and it, how can it possibly get worse? And then you have the surprise twist and and things get better and uh, and we learn quite a bit through that that process of storytelling, even though we we see it all the time. Um, so yeah, I, I I would say we as believers, as a as a community of believers, have to focus on art. We have to create beautiful things. We have to um, promote beautiful pieces of art because it, um, it's part of who it, it's not even just, I, I don't even think it's a moral imperative. It's who we are um, as being made in God's image and being redeemed uh, in by the Lord Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> let me ask you this then, because I, I agree that we are called we're called to excellence in whatever we do. Um, you know, if we, if you're a tent maker, make good tents. If you're a plumber, then make, make good, good plums. plums. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and not to, we're, we're to not do shoddy work and we're to be fair in our dealings and, and that kind of thing, you know, and that, uh, some of that just comes from, um, like when we're, following Christ, we have to be setting a good example and saying, okay, I follow Christ. And that means I'm going to work my hardest on this job that I'm doing for you. Um, even though it may not be a paid job because a lot of people who are writing these books are not uh, getting paid to write. You're not getting paid for your podcast. If no. I understand things correctly, <laughs> not, not at all. Um, <laughs> You know, but there's, I'm there's, paying to do the podcast, really. <laughs> <laughs> but there's still that 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 excellence that you know you want to present because you're doing things and and saying I'm a Christian and I'm doing this, um, and I believe honestly that anyone who says I am a Christian, just in saying that, uh, needs to make sure that they okay. People at work know I'm a Christian, which means I need to reflect Christ, which means I need to file these papers so good. Yeah, because yeah, because that's what I'm going to do. Because I you're want living, people. You're you're living the gospel out in the way exactly. that you live. Absolutely. Exactly. So, and and then I think that also then comes down to the things we write, the things we draw, the things we film. Um. So here's here's what I want to ask you then, because I don't think anyone who is a Christian creator or creative or who's interested in Christian creative material is going to disagree with us about that. So why are so many people so down on Christian art? I think I, I think there's a few things. One is I think the decision on some of the things that are promote, promoted, um, that might have something to do with it. And because I've – there have been books that have been huge. I, I'm not going to go and name names or anything. But um, No, no, Christian, please, please do. Yeah, no. We want to do on record. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, Christian, uh, you know, bookstores uh, go in there. Oh, you gotta get this. You gotta read it. It's so good. And mm -hmm. so you're like, okay, wow. I'm gonna read it. And you're like, oh my goodness, this this just wasn't good at all. This was barely a story, in the loosest sense of the term. Uh, there were characters, uh, I guess. <laughs> there was a plot, I suppose. Um, the theme was Jesus. Uh, that that I got. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was saying about Jesus, but yeah, I, I just but it, it, was, but it, it was, talked about him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And um, said a bunch of things, uh, nothing cohesive. But um, so I think that 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 has part to do with it. Um, but I think also, I, I, I mean, we're we'll take a um, 
just a book that's supposed to be a basic fiction book. And then we compare it to something that's one like, um, you know, like a Hugo award or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we go, ah, oh, man, look at that. Why, why aren't they writing like this? Um, yeah. Cause it's that artist and that author was not on that same level at that point. Um, maybe in 20 years they will be, maybe they won't. Um, so I think, I think that's part of what it goes down to. I think also there's, we're pretty cynical, um, we're becoming a cynical society in general. And I think the church has fallen into that. I know I have, um, in, in my own personal life, not just in art, but, uh, can become cynical on things. And, um, and so we'll, we'll get cynical over art. Um, and, and I think lastly, in some Christian stories, we'll, we'll focus on stories like books and, and movies. Um, we forget, <laughs> we forget to show, not tell, I'm guilty of that in some yeah. of my stories. Yep. Some of my stories that have been published, um, some of my uh, we, we we forget to to show not tell. And okay, now this is going back to my pastor role. <laughs> we we somehow think that we have to preach in the story in order to communicate the story. And people say, "Wow, that book got preachy." But I look at that, and as a preacher, I feel offended by that because <laughs> because I look at that, I'm like, "Yeah, but if, man, if that's preaching, that's really bad preaching." Um, because preaching, at least in today's age, trying to communicate the word to our our um, contemporary congregation, um, it 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 it's not just like a lecture. You know, you're not just here's some facts. Okay, have fun. Uh, it's it. It's got tension in it. We've we've got to identify. Okay, here's the truth of this text, and you know we don't do it, or we don't like it, or there's some tension here. And how are we going to get through? I text says this, but this is how I feel. Uh, Texas has grace on these these uh, these people who are uh, abusing children. Um, you know, I don't want to do that. And let's be real about this. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so I think I think there's this 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 idea almost like, well, I've got to get this idea across, and so I'm gonna I gotta write the idea very explicitly, and we forget like, man, just out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, have a personal devotional life, and just do the art, write, draw, create, um, let it flow from your relationship with Christ, and and you will, without even knowing it, go back and read and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe I put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> um so i think I, so there's a few, there's a few things in there but i think that that's where 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 a lot of that criticism comes from but but by no means is that representative of all christian works of art uh or uh, or christian content creators no way there is some beautiful things being created um and not just in the era of uh, c.s lewis or or uh, john milton uh, there's some beautiful christian art being created today uh, here, here's and here's part of the problem. Um, we've got people. We are we we have people who are offhandedly just saying, "I'm not going to accept this because it's coming from uh, a Christian quarter." And I know a Christian movie means a bad movie, okay? Mm. Or and and specifically, and maybe I this might be why I have a personal crusade here is because it used to be a Christian comic is a bad comic, mm. except if it was um, Hartley doing it you yeah. know the the archie christian comics and he right, also did right. hello on johnny cash and um out of the presence of my enemies or whatever or in the presence of my enemies um if he did it it was good but anyone else you know 
it's going to be bad. And for a while there, that was um, the, the the cliche. The, the common belief was if it was Christian, it was bad. I look at this though, and I, I again, I, I don't know why I like putting things in charts or something like that, <laughs> but I've got this quite a quadrant thing going that's outside forces that affect your art. All right, and and it's it's money, and money starts with M, but the rest of them start with T. I couldn't think of a word that meant money that started with T, but uh, you've got money, you've got training, tools, and talent. And, you know, talent only goes so far. Talent is your innate ability to just create. You know, there are some people who are just very, very talented artists. Yeah. No training or whatever, anything like that. It just comes from them. Training is the time spent, um, you know, learning your craft. And then you have the tools that are available to create your craft, to create your art. And then there's money. And money buys you training because it buys you time and buys you, you know, the, the classes or whatever. Um, right. It doesn't. It's not the only thing that gets you training, but it's it's no, a big thing. Money sure buys helps. you tools. Um, it buys you the camera you need to to film, or it rents the camera you need to film. It buys you the computer you need to be able to you know create um, artwork or whatever. Talent is the only thing that money can't buy on my list here. And so, you know, looking specifically at Christian movies, I look at um, the Christian movies that that I can't remember the name of the church, but the one that produce facing the giants and and uh, fireproof oh um, man one of the guys in my discipleship group is gonna rake me over the coals for not knowing this <laughs> <laughs> well, i can't remember the name of the church but it, it you look at what they have there they had some money um they had some training talent and tools and they made a movie and then they turned around learned from that movie that they made so that added to their training that built up their talent um, they made some money, you know, with the first movie, and so they're able to turn around and make a better movie. Now, Fireproof may not be the best Christian movie ever made, may not be a movie that connected with you on a personal or you know, well, on a, a personal level. Right. Um, but you have to recognize it was better than the first one they made, most certainly. You yeah. know, and so here's the problem: the problem is. If you're going to say, I'm not going to support that Christian endeavor over there because it's not good, part it's kind of a self-defeating cycle because by not supporting it, they're not succeeding or having the chance to succeed and having the chance to learn and to grow and become better. Where What's happening in Hollywood? In Hollywood, you have people learning their craft, starting small getting bigger, you know, until you have, you know, Steven Spielberg, he started doing television movies, television episodes. Now he's probably an exception because then he turned around and went and made jaws, but, <laughs> um, but that's, you, you have that mentorship in that apprenticeship where they're learning, they're starting small and building up and building up and building up. And it's oh, a really, really great perspective. Absolutely. And so that's, and, and it's the same thing with, you know, you're the novelist, you know, Mr. Novelist goes out there, writes a book and no one talks to him about it, you know, and they're scared to say, well, it stunk because you don't want to say it stunk to his face. Although you turn around and say, well, it's Christian novel, <laughs> Christian novels, Chris, all Christian novels stink, you know, but, yeah. um, and so this is where you have the same kind of thing happening there. 
how can your craft get better without having someone come alongside you um, and push you and, and get get better? And so this is part of the problem that I see in Christian art that we just were not allowing Christian artists to grow. We are in some ways, and I'm going to use the, the phrase I used when I, I teased last time, we're telling them to sit down and shut up because it's not good. Instead of, you know, and so by making blanket statements about Christian art, it's basically saying to the Christian artist, you aren't going to stink. Now, I also have to say, the people making those blanket statements tend to be creative people and tend to be people who have a, a platform to say it. And so what, what they're saying is it all stinks except mine. Except for mine. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, and, and you, I can't help but feel a little bit of a, you know, there's some hypocrisy going on there because it all is bad sure. except for mine. So buy mine sure. or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, not everybody's doing that, you know, obviously, but, um, but this is where I'm looking at, okay, Christian art should be better because every artist should be doing better than they're actually doing. And how do you get better by producing art? And I, I think it's just a, a common sense kind of thing. Um, and that's part of why it bugs me. I, I, I'm on that crusade. It bugs me because I hear people saying this about Christian art, Christian books, when I have buddies who have written some of those books, you know, that <laughs> they're out there. I'm like, well, have you read Chris Wells mysteries? Mm. Now, Chris, well, he's a mystery writer. Um, and they're really fun, funny books. If you like humorous mysteries, check out Chris. Well, because it's good. Don't discount him because he's on a Christian bookstore shelf. Um, you know, and, and this is where we get to, you know, my, my, my friend, Eric, Eric Wilson, um, who wrote the adaptation of some of those, uh, Christian movies that we've been talking about, but he also wrote this funky, weird vampire series that it's basically about how Judas was the first vampire, um, which I'm not a fan so much of some of the revisionist, you know, horror, sure. but, um, but it's well crafted, yeah, you know. Yeah, but he's and, not throwing that out as exegesis. He's no, 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 no. And it's, it's metaphorical, it's, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but that comes to another project I worked on once. I used to make the offhanded statement that sci-fi Bible stories, all right, there's no reason for them. There's no need for them. And I would judge sci-fi Bible stories by saying, um, you know, you're just trying to make the Bible cool. And I'm just like, why are you making it cool by putting it in space when it's already cool? Because it's David and Goliath. You know, <laughs> it's cool already. Um, but I, 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 I had someone contact me and say, we want to do a Bible story in space. Oh. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay. And he said, well, we want you to write it. And so this is where I'm like, okay, I can say no on principle. Right. I can say yes and take the money and run mm -hmm. um, or I can really kind of dive into this and find out, okay, what's, what's going on here. And so that's what I did. I really thought hard about it to say, okay, what would be the benefit of doing this? Mm. 
and what I found was now, and and the product, I don't know when the product's going to come out. I finished writing it two years ago. I think it was a 150 page book. Oh, wow. But the, the bottom line there is I decided I'm going to go ahead and figure out what it is that people are doing when they're doing this. Why are they doing it? Is it something I can do? And what I realized was I wasn't writing it to make it cooler. And I think if anyone's approaching a Bible story and saying, I'm going to do this and make it cooler than the Bible. Yeah, you missed. I, I do think there's a problem there. But when I started looking at it was I'm, I'm kind of looking at it as a metaphor then. And right. I'm realizing, okay, well, we have this visual metaphor. And any kind of historical fiction tends or ends up being a, a little bit of a, of, a, of a metaphor. Right. This isn't what actually happened. It's what I perceive to happen. Yeah. And so doing this project that I'm talking about, um, what's the metaphor here? You know, what are we saying? And when we're showing – and what I realized was you, you've got this visual language that you're using to say these are the bad guys. These are the Romans, you know? And yeah, there's some cool visual elements that you wouldn't – if you were doing the Bible strictly, which I have done as well and, and, mm-hmm. and love doing because of what I, I dig up when I'm researching these stories to find out about these people – um, when I was researching Thomas for the graphic novel about the apostles, I've never had this happen. I, I started getting teared up because mm. I wasn't just looking at Thomas doubting Jesus was alive. I had gone through and found every single other moment of Thomas interacting with Jesus, which there aren't a lot, but there are some where it names him specifically. And in looking at him, I'm realizing this guy wasn't doubting. He's not the doubter. He's pessimistic. He's just like me. You know, mm. he's he's a realist, he's a pessimist, but he's following Jesus. And then that moment where Jesus shows up and he says, My Lord, my God. Yeah. And I'm just, oh, I'm almost, you know, I, I'm not a crying guy. I, I don't cry very often. Uh, but when I do, it's it's about Thomas. So <laughs> um and and so I like that historical fiction that's trying to be strictly historical. But what I realized is I was telling a metaphorical story. This is, yes, the story of Paul, but it's metaphorical and allowing you to kind of see things through this kind of uh, slightly slanted, um, you know, funhouse mirror. Yeah. And, and, and what you're doing, I mean, and you, you already commented on this, but when even when you're telling – the Bible story in a different medium, you are still, whether it's a sermon or a, a comic or a historical book, uh, you're still translating that story into today's audience. I mean, you yes. might still stay within that historical context, but you have to go into uh, some of the reasons why they're doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we see that in the Gospels. You know, some Gospels say, well, they, the Jewish people, they did all these elaborate hand-washing things. And then other ones, they, you know, they, they don't even mention it because it was to a Jewish audience, so they didn't need that, uh, that explanation. Well, and so and- when we... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, audience is an important element here that we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who and, is uh, your story for? Yep. And for people who are into science fiction, um, they will pick up elements and they'll pick up the truth of that text in a different way. It, it, and they'll, they'll, it'll translate to them more clearly than even if they, they were reading the historical version of it, just because that's the way they're wired and that's the way they understand. Um, 
Well, we'll, we'll when see. I, yeah. <laughs> when the book comes out, all right, we'll, we'll see how successful it was. But all, yeah. all, all things equal. Yeah. Um, well, because I, I do uh, you know, two, three, maybe four times a year. Uh, I do first-person sermons where mm-hmm. you take a text and uh, you get to the you, – you come up with one sentence, the big idea of the text. And then um, from there, I'll enter into one of the characters, sometimes the main character, sometimes not. And I will uh, uh, tell the story, tell, tell, preach the sermon basically as a character from the story. Um, and e- even in that, you are um, tra- – I, I mean I always have to ask, OK, how am I going to pretend this congregation is? Am I going to pretend that they're like a Jewish audience in the first century? Am I going to pretend like I emerged out of the past and I'm talking to them? I mean, have, you know, you have to ask those questions. And then I have to say, okay, what in this story will they not understand? And I have to say, so I'm, I'm preaching the text and I'm saying everything that's in the text, but I have to translate what, um, uh, you know, what, what the cultural the text context for them, the right. The context, cultural yeah. context so that they, into our context so that they understand. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, in straight preaching, if you want to call it that, we do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we add details all the time so that we can understand and, and be transformed by the text and understand what's really going on and what the Spirit's saying through the text. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would understand that and I, I'd agree with that. might not be my cup of tea, um, um, but, it, but it's someone else's. And, if it's and I, I still else's, think it, it might not be my cup of tea either. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but, um, but I used to make the blanket statement until I said, okay, I'm going to sit down and think about what is it that these people are doing and coming to audience, you know, who are they doing it for? Right. Um, and I'm going to say something right now that might be a little uh, controversial, but uh, I think that it's okay to preach in a story. I think that if you have a story that is meant to have a message and to, you know, to state it outright within the story i i think that's okay depending on your audience and the forum that you're doing it for now if you're going to be writing a sci-fi story that is intended for a secular audience but that has your christian worldview in it i don't think you would want to do that because people are going to turn on you they're going to feel like they've been duped but if you're writing a short bible story for a sunday school class then that's what they're there for they're there to hear the story and to hear a message, you know, and to learn, a, a, maybe learn a new perspective about the story, or maybe be reminded of an old perspective. But if that's your audience and that's the forum, um, it still needs to be artful. It still has to have beauty. Is there is where do in you it. put the, the message? You know, where yeah. where do you get it in? And usually, least effective is like right at the end because you're like, oh, okay, that was the message of the story. But yeah, embedding I, it somewhere within the text and artfully doing it um, that does make a big difference. And, and it goes back to what I say. I mean, preaching can be very effective and very good. I, I've sat under a number of just phenomenal preachers that I just thought. I'm exhausted. I haven't slept in 24 hours and I'm just like staring like, oh my goodness, my whole life is changing before my eyes. <laughs> um, and, and and that but because preaching, I think, in my humble but correct opinion, <laughs> should be an art. Uh, it shouldn't just be looked at as some sort of intellectual uh, information dump. Uh, it needs to be art that also engages the, uh, the intellect, the will, the emotion. Well, why do you think um, most pastors start with a joke? Because just getting someone to laugh, that's a connection that you've made with right. them. Um, yep. 
now I prefer the joke to have something to do with the, yeah, the sermon yeah. that's to come. But I can't. I, I'm not funny. I'm only funny if it's like spur of the moment, and the Holy Spirit makes me that way. So I don't. <laughs> I don't try to joke because when I do, I mean, it's just. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've I've had some, you know, of course, they, we didn't have the internet back then, but it almost felt like, you know, it was like, okay, joke about forgiveness. You know, Google, click. Oh, this one will work. I'll put it. I've, I've, you know, there have been some pastors that I've known that it, it feels like they just, you know, they're just joke, point one, point two, point three, make sure they all start with the same letter. You know, but... And, and that's the art that comes from it. Um, but but you're right. And again, it all comes down to connection and it all comes down to um, engaging the intellect and the emotion. Yeah. Um, and, well, and, and, what, and what you had said earlier, too, is is who's who's my audience? And that's in public speaking. Um, you, you ask I'll, – I'll keep the anecdotes away, but a um, – an inexperienced public speaker. Okay, I want you to speak here. And they're going to ask the question, okay, what do you want me to talk about? Uh, and that's what they ask. Well, a, a, a more seasoned public speaker will ask the question, who is my audience? Uh, because the what doesn't matter nearly as much as the who is my audience. And that's going to shape how the whole thing takes place. And again, it goes, it's the same thing goes back to art. Who is my audience? Who am I writing to? Who am I writing for? And that should sh- shape what you're doing and how you're trying to do that. Yeah, it definitely shapes the how. Yeah. You know, the, the who shapes the how. Um, yeah. So – And the what. Yeah. yeah. And the what. <laughs> well, and, and the who is the why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are we missing? Where. Yeah. Well, the who is where they are. Does that fit? No. Okay. Moving on. Who, what, where, why? <laughs> okay. So, the other thing I wanted to mention, though, is, um, you know, we're comparing fireproof to, um, you, you know, a Hollywood blockbuster movie. All right. right. Uh, why isn't there a Christian film that's the equivalent of the Avengers or Dark Knight? You know, it goes back to that money, training, and tools. Right, and I think it's an unfair comparison. I think for someone to say Christian fiction isn't as good as the secular stuff that's out there, I think that's first of all wrong. Um, but I think it's second of all, it's an unfair comparison because if you take our Christian niche of Christian science fiction, let's just look at that Christian science fiction. All right, how many books are we talking about? A couple hundred, maybe. And you're comparing it to secular science fiction, all right? Which, how many is that in a year? Maybe a few thousand? Yeah. So what happens then? If you have like 3,000, and that's, I think, a lowball number, (laughs) 3,000 science fiction books being written for, you know, in that secular sphere, there's going to be 200 good ones in there. Mm. Those are the ones you're going to see on Amazon. Yep. That come up first in searches. Those are the ones you're going to see get recommended. You're going to see the new Greg Bear novel come up. You're going to see the new George R. R. Martin anthology come up because it's going to take a while before you get another George R. R. Martin book. But um, <laughs> you're going to see those, the best of the best, there'll be 200. I think that it is honestly 
a direct, you know, um, one-to-one ratio here. If you've got 3,000 books, you're going to have, you know, maybe 300. So we've got 10% are going to be good. If you have 300 books then in the Christian circle here, what's the best 10% of 300? It's 30. 30, yeah. All right? And I think just proportionally, there's yeah. a problem there. It's an unfair statement to make because proportionally, the other thing is, what's the chance that you're going to find those one of those 30 books? Right. You know, and that's well, part of... And, and I think that goes down back to what I said earlier, too, about what gets promoted um, and what has marketability and, and mm-hmm. some of the things that are thrust on, on us and uh, by whomever. Um, and uh, um, I think that, that engages it quite a bit because I... I, I don't understand why certain things get promoted and others don't. Um, well, things thing, that are beautiful. Uh, but, but here's the problem, though, is you used to be able to find actually six, seven, eight sci-fi Christian books in a Christian bookstore because that was the only place you could get it. Right. And so when I was in high school um, – I used to go to my Christian bookstore and first of all, I just looked for any book that had crossway books on the spine mm. because they're the ones who published this present darkness. They're the ones right. who published all of the um, Stephen Lawhead books. Um, so they took their chances on fantasy and sci-fi and I would buy them. I bought a book called high places that I liked. It wasn't great, but I bought it because they published it. And it was right. Like, oh, yeah. You know? Um, there was this fantasy book. I can't remember the title of it, but it was this uh, kind of historical fiction thing about Vikings. The only reason I even mm. thought that I could get it was because I'm looking at the spine. I don't know what the title means. I just see the CB from Crossway Books. So they were on the shelf in Christian bookstores. But that was when Christian teenagers used to actually go into Christian bookstores. Right. You know? And now who goes into Christian bookstores? Someone who needs a book today because they can't wait for Amazon to get it to you tomorrow, mm-hmm. they might go in there if they look online and see it's – that's the reason I go to family Christian bookstores because I'll be like, I need this book. I'll go to their website. It's there. I can get it this afternoon and I don't have to wait because I, I, I always get free shipping. So I don't have to wait a week from Amazon. Yeah. Um, and people looking for Christian gifts, moms, grandmas, aunts, and are they going to be reading – the Christian science fiction book? Nope. No. They're going to be reading the Amish romance book. You know? Oh, man. We love those Amish romance books. <laughs> and so that's your audience. That's a venue that you have. That's a who and a where. Um, it's a dying venue, unfortunately. Christian bookstores are going fast. Well, right along with the rest of the bookstores. Right. Yeah. My dad works for Zondervan as an area representative. Um Every time someone leaves their position, they don't replace them. They mm. just expand all of the other representatives' territories, uh, territories yeah. Yeah. because what will happen is in the course of the two years since the last one left, that many bookstores have closed down. And it's – it's, I mean it's just a nature of the thing. You've got Amazon. You've got Walmart. You don't need those bookstores. So if you're you're going to Walmart for your groceries and Amazon is right there in your living room. And don't get me wrong. I love Amazon. <laughs> um, and I'm not just saying that because they're publishing two of my books. But um, 
Yeah. So uh, it, it's an uphill battle, I think, for any Christian creator, especially in sci-fi fantasy. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's you know finding your venue. That's why we're doing what we're doing with trying to find stuff to promote oh, that, to people. That's where, yeah, that's what this uh, this crossover nexus thing is is so helpful. It, it shows some of the content creators and um, and puts some more Christian stuff into light. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with the advent of the internet, uh, you know, cause you go to the church, I, I mean, I'm an oddball at my own church and they all know it. I, I'm, I live a pretty, uh, open life. And so they know that I'm a comic book fan and that I like sci-fi and fantasy and I'm weird and um, openly and flamboyant that, geek. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and there's no qualms about it. And I, in fact, you know, I was sharing with our leadership team about some of the cool stuff happening with, with the podcast and everyone's just kind of staring back at me like, okay. <laughs> and one of, them, one of our leaders, he just said, Oh, you're in all that stuff. You're really in all that stuff, aren't you? <laughs> and and that's okay. I mean, that's not what the body of Christ is about. We don't have to have all the same interests. We have to have the same Lord. Um, but but you know, so there's like maybe three or four people like me in the church, and that's about it. Um, but that's okay. Now that we have the internet, and there's three or four people, you know, half a dozen people, a dozen people, in, in these different churches and these different areas, they're into the same thing. And they like that sort of stuff and they, uh, they, they're looking for it. And I think there's a lot of good cr- communities growing out there, what you're doing here with the Nexus, the uh, Christian Geek Central, uh, and, and all those podcasts. That's kind of bringing awareness to some of this Christian art and, um, and highlighting the need for, for more of it and highlighting the good stuff that's out there. Yeah. Because there is some absolutely great stuff. All right. Well, we've we've given our warped and biased perspective on this. At least I have given my warped, biased perspective on you know why why isn't there better stuff out there? Answer: Because you're not letting it be out there. And the second answer is because it already is out there. There is stuff. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what is out there that you, Nathan, and that I would recommend. Um, as being some of the good stuff, um, which is my trademark phrase for this, is good stuff. Um, so go ahead and give me one or two. I, I've got a couple that I can can bring up. Um, and specifically, I'm looking for newer stuff. I'm, you know, I, I'm not saying C.S. Lewis because we don't need to say it. <laughs> if no, you're a Christian no, and you're a geek, no. you've probably discovered C.S. Lewis at the very least, heard of him. Yeah, <laughs> or and know that he's good. Yeah. Um, okay. So for me, um, let's do film, uh, briefly here. Okay. Um, one of, one of the places, are we strict, are we staying to sci-fi fantasy? No, no. Um, we don't have to, uh, okay. this, I'm just asking for good stuff that will be of interest to sci-fi fantasy fans. How's that? Okay. That sounds good. Um, well, one of the places for movies I'd suggest people to go to is the, uh, 168 film, uh, Film project, mm, film yeah, festival. Yeah. Um, I uh, I had worked on three films with a friend of mine when I lived in L.A. Uh, his name was Frank Lozano. Actually, it still is Frank Lozano. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and had some writing credits in two of the films, and then one of them I, I had a um, a research credit in. But uh, and we we did documentaries. Uh, but but it's a really cool idea. They give you. Um, 
uh, they give you a Bible verse and then they give you a week to write a script. And then in 168 hours, which is one week, you have to film it and edit it and turn it in. And I loved going to these things because uh, they there were just such good stuff. I mean, there was some stuff that are like, eh, yeah, whatever. They're, they're early on in their craft. Uh, but there are some phenomenal films. And so I, if you go to like 168, uh, just type into Google 168 film festival or film project and they have all their old DVDs up there. I mean, pick, pick some of the, the newer ones. And, um, uh, there's just really good stuff out there. There's one, uh, sci-fi movie. Um, I think it was called stained and uh, I want to say that was in 20, maybe the 2009, uh, series 2010, but that one was real. It, it was, they're all short films. They're all like 10, 11 minutes, but they, um, they're high production values. Um, great stories, uh, great characters that they told in a really short segment. Uh, those are great. I've, I've used them for youth group or for church hmm. or for college groups. Um, I will just sit home and, and watch some of these things cause they're just, they're good, solid films. And a lot of these these people who are putting this out, those are people that need to have money put behind them and that we need to support, even if it's just by buying their DVD. Um, well, and those are people building their craft too. I mean, some of them are yeah. really professional filmmakers. Oh, I, yeah, I have some friends absolutely. who do that too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they but probably, at, the, yes, at the same time, this is a movies. great venue for building the craft. Absolutely. And, oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, and um, uh, Ralph Winter, who you know does the X, did the X Men films and. Mm-hmm. Fantastic Four and all that. He's he's one of the uh, um, the guys who really is pushing that forward, and I, I think he should. Um, absolutely. Um, so in the movie sections, uh, there was a movie oh maybe about ten years ago called Mercy Streets, and I believe the director was uh, John Gunn. Uh, that was a really cool. It was kind of a crime sort of film and a little bit of a whodunit and. Uh, it wasn't overly preachy. There was uh, a bit of a message in there, but it wasn't huge. And it was artfully done. Um, I just liked that movie. It was cool. It was a cool movie. There's guys running around shooting each other. There's gangsters. There's an El Camino. <laughs> <laughs> a yellow one. Goldenrod. Yeah, it was cool. Um, that would be a cool one to go check out. Um, more recently, this might not apply to geek people, but there was a movie called uh, Like Dandelion Dust. I believe that was the same director. And uh, it was about a kid who was adopted, and six years later they find out that the name of the fa- the father's signature, the birth father's signature, was forged, and so it was an illegitimate adoption. Mm-hmm. And they're looking to take this kid after he's been with his family for like six, seven years, and put him back with this original family, which doesn't have their life together. And so, just a really crazy moral dilemma, um, and uh, a little bit of message uh, that was again artfully told, very moving, very touching. Um, the, the, that, that's a film project I think we should get behind. Um, let's see. Uh, one of my favorite and nobody knows about it ever. I actually have art. The, some of the original artwork in my office on this is a short lived comic series called of bitter souls, uh, which is a, a quote or a paraphrase, depending on what version you're using from Job. Um, and it's about this mysterious pastor who takes these four people, like a crooked cop, a prostitute, um, uh, a druggie, and, uh, and a habitual gambler and, and kind of a, a, 
a swindler and he takes them, he abducts them and he gives them superpowers based on their vices. Uh, like, so the crooked cop, he, there's a crooked cop and they give him, um, uh, super strength. And so, I mean, how could a crooked cop use super strength? I mean, that'd be great. Uh, but he challenges them and he's, he's kind of overseeing them to not use them for selfish means, but to use them for uh, greater good and greater glory. And, um, really cool concept. It's called Of Bitter Souls? Of Bitter Souls. It was by Chuck Saderly. He didn't do too much. Uh, I remember Chuck Saderly. Okay. Yeah. Um, there were some really cool themes that he explored in there. And it la- there's two trade paperbacks out of it. And I think you can find them for fairly inexpensive. I really like that. And Norm Brayfogle did the, uh, did the artwork. So it's just like whoa, phenomenal. And uh, like I said, I think I, I have the original artwork from the first, uh, from uh, issue two, three, f- four, and five on my wall in the office. Um, really good stuff. Um, highly recommended. Um, so I, I, I threw out a couple there. Um, I could throw out a few more if you want. <laughs> yeah. I could throw out a whole ton more. Um, Doug Tenable, if uh, mm, yes, anything he does, anything he does. I was reading uh, Thomas or- Tommy Soros Rex, uh, and I read it again uh, just recently, and I was crying. I mean, I know what happens. I was crying. It's so powerful. Um, he he's like the um, the Pixar of the graphic novel world. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I will say, uh, be careful. Um, Black Cherry is good but rough. All right, so if you're if you're reading the other stuff, you know there's potty humor in the other books, and there's sure. there's some stuff in there. Black Cherry yeah. is the one that I still recommend it. Um, although my friend Tim Barron, uh, that's the one that he just doesn't like. I, mm. I still recommend it, but I just want to warn you that there is there's rough language and rough yeah. content in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, anything that he does. Yeah, any, any, uh, ben Avery, uh, he does, <laughs> he does great yeah. stuff. No, it's true. I mean, you really do uh, phenomenal work. Um, I, I mean, I could rattle off a whole bunch of things that just off the top of my head. Kingdoms was great, still is great. Um, that talk about characters and and moving. Um, Oh, there's see, there's a couple of panels with Ezekiel in there. Oh, broke my heart. Good stuff. Um, time flies. That's fun. Um, I've recommended that to a number of um, families in the churches, and they've got a, got the bricks and the they brick. enjoy the, the, they enjoy them thoroughly. Um, and and Tempest. I mean, you, you wrote that after uh, uh, Hurricane Katrina, Katrina. Yeah. and that it just that's spot on Christian art. Right there, it's vulnerable. It's raw. You talk about preaching in the context of uh, the comic. I have no clue who who the audience was. I'm pretty sure it was just me, <laughs> uh, or at least people like me. Um, but but the I mean, there's preaching in there. But if you want a good example of how to preach in art, that would be a good place to go. Is Tolkien at Tempest? Um, and I won't let you comment on that because I know it's awkward to comment on your own work after. It, it is. I, I also say though with Tempest, that's one that it's a favorite of mine. I, I really, I go back is, to that one. Is it is it still in print? Mm, I have print copies. I have like seventy. Okay. Well, yeah. well, well can, can, can people get their hands on them? It's not on my store right now. Okay. I, I don't think it's on. Because I, I have to revamp my website. You want to talk about art? I want my website to look good. But I don't have the tools or the talent <laughs> to make it or the training, uh, and so I, I've 
I have to get it good because I've got some projects coming up that I want to get up there. But um, it, it was for sale when we were doing Community Comics. That was on our Community Comics website. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But um, Community Comics, we've disbanded that. Um, basically, Zondervan had hunted us away from ourselves, and we ended up not doing anything after oh, we did wow. the Zondervan books. So. Yeah. But anyway, well, yeah, there it is. Uh, those are all great, by the way. Yeah, those are fantastic. Um, David Alderman, who I talked, we uh, talked about briefly. Yeah, uh, he's doing um, edgy Christian fiction. So I mean, there's there's some uh, similar to your uh, caution there. There's some rough stuff. It's not for kids. Um, it's uh, but it's very engaging, very real, raw stuff that people actually deal with, and uh, I think he deals with some of it really good. And it's not in there to be. Um, you know, just to be edgy. It's not edgy for edgy's sake. He's he's doing it to um, to be realistic. And and there are people who say, okay, I, this is something I deal with, and this is realistic, and um, it's very helpful at times. Um, Royden Lepp. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, his uh, he did Shepherd Song. I mean, it's unfinished, and it, from what I understand, it's never going to be finished. But he did Volume One. It doesn't matter. That that volume one, uh, which was, I believe was three original, um, three issues, originally yeah. three issues, uh, fantastic. I uh, just if you want to talk about story structure and telling a story without even using a word that is powerful and moving and beautiful, go right there. I mean, he's currently working on Rust. Um, I believe he's only got the first two uh, in the series of four out, uh, but that is just really great solid artwork you can put you could put rust up against anything out there in the market anything at all period eisner award-winning i don't care it's there it's that good yeah in my humble book in my humble book correct opinion <laughs> well and, and he was he was developing that for zondervan uh before zondervan shut down their graphic novel stuff oh i didn't know that and so he had developed i think half of it with Zonovan and then was able to turn around and, and uh, take it back and and find a new publisher for it. So because uh, Zonovan did the eight volumes right. of six series of graphic novels and they weren't getting the sales numbers that they were anticipating um, for and there's a lot of different reasons why yeah. I think um, one th- being those weren't those weren't marketed at all. I I had to go and distrib- distribution. I had to hunt them down, and they were on back well, orders. Man, I, I had a hard time getting my hands on those. The summer that the first two volumes of each series came out, that was the only end cap that Zondervan promoted uh, mm-hmm. in in bookstores. You know, which is where they actually. I think it's like they buy the end cap and they send the materials. It was the only end cap that they were promoting that summer. They really did a push at the beginning. Um, but there's a, you know, there's a couple of things. Hindsight, you know, it should have been color. It honestly, these, these books should have been in color. I think that's a turnoff for some readers. And the other thing was it happened right at the fragmentation of Christian bookstores and mm-hmm. kids aren't going into Christian bookstores. And so not necessarily that they aren't going, but they aren't going as much as they used to. And so you had to promote it to parents, and they actually had to do an education campaign uh, explaining mm. why they were doing it. And they had like <laughs> brochures that were available at Christian bookstores explaining this is what you know kids like this stuff, but it presents these other philosophies and violence and all that. And so we're doing this because of this. Um, I have one of those actually. <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's uh, I I don't fault them for how they did it. Um, at all. And they, even when it wasn't what they wanted it to be, 
they fulfilled their end of the contract. And so I was able to finish mm. Time Flies. I had that ending of Time Flies in mind since the time that I realized uh, with Time Flies, I had a title, Time Flies, and I had another concept. And I had no story for Time Flies, but I had this other concept that had a title that someone else had already taken. So I was like, well, what if I put them together? And as soon as mm. I put them together, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I knew what the ending was going to be. I knew wow. what that final conflict was going to be for the main human little girl. Awesome. And very good. I was able to get through it. I was able to go through from beginning to end eight books, 150 pages. Um, it's, it's enormous. You know, it's a brick. Like you said, that's what I call it is the, the book brick. <laughs> um, honestly, I, I am so thankful to them that I was able to tell that complete story. The problem is lots of people have the first two books <laughs> but right. the eighth book not so many people got to that one so i i, I had a hard time finding it i really did yeah. even even like going to amazon like right now it not your amazon page but if you go to amazon like trying to find out okay which eight do i need here wait, wait is it six is it eight uh the numbering is you know it's all it, weird it's so weird it's really numbering easy. they had the wrong cover for one of the books for a little while yeah i think it was yeah. book five had had book four and five had the same cover right and so so you're looking at that going um yeah what am i gonna work so there was some (laughs) there was some confusion but i yeah i amen that that all that got finished and yeah it's got to be fulfilling to be able to finish your story (laughs) well Um, and i i I was wearing armor quest um it's out now in digital form but i remember getting the phone call from the current publisher not the current the previous publisher of armor quest called me and said diamond's not going to carry issue four five or six and so we're not going to be printing issue four five or six and so that meant for a really 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 long time the only things you could read uh in color were issues one two and three and they did do one black and white edition that had all six stories in it Mm. but it's you know when you hear about people who get their television show canceled like joss whedon getting firefly canceled or whatever i know how it feels yeah uh, i don't have yeah. quite the money involved but uh the heart yeah uh, the heart's all there it doesn't yeah. Yeah. you don't so, do it for the money although that helps oh i do some <laughs> things for the money you know because money's good it's you do yeah, you can do good things with money with absolutely like, pay for like my feed, house feed your family <laughs> yeah um but, anyway but, uh, so so uh, I'll just rattle off a couple others here that are on my mind, uh, book-wise. Um, uh, Carrie Neitz has a cool series called The Dark Trench Saga, and the idea is what if um, Sharia law is the rule of the future, and so um, Islam has won and controls the world, and it's in space, and uh, it follows this one character who is um, uh, basically – a servant uh, in this situation and trying to find out truth, but he's got an implant that zaps him if he ever thinks the wrong thoughts and, uh, mm-hmm. and goes the wrong place. That's a really cool trilogy. Um, he also wrote Amish Vampires in Space. Uh, <laughs> going back to that in space, that one's yeah. really good. It, it sounds like it's a, a joke, but it's he does it deadpan. It's, it's all serious. Um, what if there was a group of Amish who found themselves in space and there was vampires and how would they deal with it? It's actually a really good book. Yeah. My understanding uh, was it did start out as a joke in title. the title yes. was put into his mind because it was a joke, but right. then he actually developed a story that went along. I haven't yeah. read it, but yeah, it's but actually, it, it's quite good. Um, high, highly recommended. Um, and then uh, uh, Mitchell Bonds uh, wrote 
a two-volume series called um, Hero Second Class. And it's a fantasy humor book uh, or, or series, I guess, two-book series. Wonderful stuff. Uh, it's funny. It is exciting. There's drama. There's tension. Um, and the, the fact that there are such large volumes and it's humorous but it's still engaging is really good. The characters are very memorable. You care about them. Um, those came out a few years ago. Those uh, those were quite um, quite the good joyful experience. And uh, yeah, so I mean, there's there's plenty of other things I could continue to rattle off, but there is just good Christian art out there. I agree. It really is. I agree. Oh, and by the way, for your listeners, if they want to get Time Flies, probably the easiest way to do it is to go to your website or you know go to your store and buy it that way because it's the easiest way to f- make sure you have all eight volumes <laughs> and you're getting <laughs> the correct ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's not an artful website, but it's there and it yeah, works. Yeah, it's, so. it's, yeah. Yeah. it's functional. It's functional. Oh, function. That's something I need to add to my... Okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, speaking of art, I, I will also say that there is the Untold podcast that does allow you to get a sampling. It's it's an anthology podcast. and It's not um, a single narrative, but it does allow you to get a sampling of good stuff. Um, like I said, that Alderman story that we did, uh, that you did, I should say, that I was a part of the podcast introducing that but um like i said i i'm i want to know more i want to read more from that universe find out what in the world was going on with that short story um (laughs) crazy although the short story does stand alone you you know everything you need to know kind of goes to that dan o'bannon idea you wrote alien and he basically said you don't have to tell people all the details about how they are mining you know what in the asteroids or whatever right all they need to know is that they were mining in there. You need to know it, but you don't have to tell everyone, you know, and you can just bring them into the story, make sure they know what they need to know in order to follow the characters and care about the characters. So, and that's what happened there. So now I'm curious. <laughs> so, all right. Well, one last time, can you tell people where, the, where they can find you? Uh, yeah, they can find me over at untoldpodcast.com. Uh, they could also find me at nathanjamesnorman.com where I blog about, oh gosh, I don't know, whatever happens to be on my mind. Um, and uh, if you're really adventurous, you can go over to orchardchurch.net. That's our uh, church website where we you know, talk about the church, do post all the sermons. Um, actually, I have to say our, our media team is pretty cool. They The sermons are up, oh man, 20 minutes after the sermon is over. They're, uh, huh. they're on their, they're on their game. Um, so that's, uh, that's a blessing and we're a small church. So, um, to have that is, uh, is cool. All right. Well, any last words for, for our audience here? Uh, pursue art, uh, whether you are reading it, looking at it, uh, there is something about being, having your emotions changed and transformed, um, I think uh, storytelling, all art is important. I think storytelling, especially in this conversation, is particularly important because three quarters of the uh, the Bible is a narrative, and uh, and I think that's for a reason. That's because every story is trying to teach us something. It uh, it goes past our defenses. It hits us in our souls. And Christians, above anyone else. Um, I think have have the capacity to tell 
the greatest stories because we have the greatest story uh, and we, we have access to the greatest truth and truths in the universe. Um, and because of that, we can better reflect beauty. We can better reflect drama. We can uh, better uh, communicate to the culture, whoever our audience is, um, those timeless truths through characters, through plots, through stories, through worlds. Um, so yeah, I think storytelling is utterly important for Christianity. And I'm, I'm glad to see that there are so many Christians and there seems to be a resurgence of um, Christian writers and people taking up writing and learning their craft, but then seasoned veterans and, uh, and up and coming people. So support it and read it and, Hey, write it. And, you know, Jesus' stories outnumber his sermons. That's true. Just, just throw that out That's there. That's true. Well, and even in his sermons, he's like going into parables. And well, that's what I'm saying. Is he's that. using metaphors. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing. And and uh, from an exegete, from an exegete's uh, perspective, those stories are utterly brilliant. Uh, the amount of, of information in, in Jesus' parables or, or the prophet Nathan's parable, just break that down and see what's actually going on there. It's not a one-to-one ratio of, of what's happening, but the things that, that go on in those stories, if you spend the time tearing them apart, <laughs> utterly brilliant. Jesus says it in like, you know, what, 30 seconds? Yeah. And uh, it takes uh, you know brain surgeon Nathan over here about a week and a half to figure out what's actually going on in it. <laughs> Um, it's, it's an amazing thing. Stories are important and, uh, they shape, they shape us and who we are in our culture and, uh, good stories, uh, change us for the better. All right. Very good. Well, on that note then, um, I'm just going to say thank you for listening. Thank you, Nathan, for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, uh, Godspeed everyone. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening.